This is Dirt Road Less Traveled, where we talk about life with a capital L and take on the big questions such as who am I really and why are we even here? I believe we're here to express the hell out of our true selves, freely and unapologetically. So this is the show where we talk about how to do just that. I'm Maya Wild. Welcome to Dirt Road Less Traveled. Welcome to my conversation with Gigi Gold. You can find her on Instagram at Gigi Stays Gold. She's a visibility coach, a visual consultant for creatives and entrepreneurs, and she takes these incredible self-portraits. I got inspired by her to start taking self-portraits instead of selfies. What a mode of self-expression. So much fun. She's a singer and a songwriter in a rock band called Lioness, and our conversation took place while she was in England and I was in upstate New York, and we just ran with every topic under the sun that came to our mind, and we just went and and ran with it and I hope you enjoy. Hello Gigi Gold. Hey there. Hey now are you more of the French pronunciation like Gigi? You can say it however you want. Okay. <laughs> Whatever feels good to you. I like that you know the name Maya is pretty international. When I was in high school one of my Indian friends her dad would always sing me this song in Hindi and, you know, when I've been to France, they're like, Maya. I'm like, oh, I love it. Seriously, whatever. So I'm with you. Yeah, I had a, I had a boss one time who was French. And I was just like, I will get on any meeting you want me to just so I can listen to your accent. It was amazing. Beautiful. That's so cool. And you are coming to us from Britain. You're in England? I am, yes. So I've lived in the UK, just north of London, for my entire adult life. Um, I got on a plane about a week after I graduated from university to be with my now husband because I was 21, 22 and young and decided I was going to leap in. And luckily it's worked out beautifully. You know, even if it wasn't you living happily ever after with the man of your dreams, I bet it still would have worked out. I, I, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like to hop on a plane and have that adventure. I'm all about looking at you know, what do people regret? Like, what do people who are dying wish they'd done differently in their lives? And people never regret like, oh, I'm so bummed that I got on that plane at 21. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Looking back now at 31, I'm like, oh, that was really risky. But, (laughs) but, you know, socialized medicine is a beautiful thing. And Uh, I, I feel very lucky to be in a country that prioritizes that. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was Czech and I didn't even have to, like, I just got health insurance. I mean, after the Berlin Wall came down and all this, but Mm -hmm. it was like, they just, it's funny enough Then my stepmother was Dutch and I had Dutch insurance for a while. And I'm just remembering now I've had, uh, I've done a few conversations this week for the podcast with people around abortion. And I'm remembering my first abortion was funded by Dutch health insurance. I mean, here in New York, I mean, that's, there's such a difference there. I mean, some people will be against that, but it was pretty amazing to feel taken care of. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love about it is that there is really a, a very different aspect, I think, to European or European adjacent life where, you know, your, your health and your wellness is a right. It's, it's absolutely a right. And it's a huge priority. And I don't know if I could move back to America, um, partially because of the health insurance situation. It it just seems so wild to me um, that that, uh, we as Americans haven't figured out the beauty of socialized medicine, that when you're sick or you're injured, all you have to worry about is getting better, right? 
You don't have to worry about, you know, how much time you have to take off from work. How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to pay your hospital bills? It's very much about get better. And there's obviously there's issues with socialized medicine. It's very underfunded, but I'm so, so grateful to be in a country that really prioritizes people's health and wellness, um, even when it's underfunded. You know, I even want to add there just from my experience living in Europe and having European people around me here in New York, there's there's also a focus not just on wellness, but on well-being and living your life well, right? Is that true in England also? England is a funny, it's a funny country. <laughs> I'm glad I, <laughs> I asked. I think some of, some of the stereotypes are, are, are true around the sort of stiff upper lip. Um, we don't talk about our, our mental health problems. But on the other side of it, um, even things like therapy are, are financially significantly more accessible. Um, it still costs, but it is it, what what doesn't get in the way is the money for the average person, right? There will always be a group of of underprivileged people who will who would struggle. But even the NHS has some support for mental health, and even private healthcare, um, including therapy, is significantly more affordable. So I think I can't speak for for mainland Europe as far as as well being. I will also say even moving out of mental health specifically, the work-life balance is significantly different. Mm, yeah. um, I think I think England um, is a little bit, or, or Great Britain is a little bit of a halfway point between mainland Europe and the continental US as far as sick pay, holiday days. And when I worked in corporate, um, when I first moved here, I had a couple of corporate types of jobs and I was given 25 days of paid holiday on top of sick leave, which the longer you're at a company, you know, the more that accrues. And so it, it was, uh, it was wild to me speaking to my older sister who lives in San Diego in California, where she was like, yeah, I get 15 days of paid leave, both sick and <laughs> Yes. And And I was like, how do you shamed for taking them? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild to me. And and I think, yeah. How do you live? How do you go on vacation? How do you go read novels? Yeah. Right. How do you, I don't know, have a staycation and, and, sit in your back garden and enjoy the two weeks of summer we get here. (laughs) It's it's, it's beautiful to me that there is a difference in, and even mainland Europe, I worked with some Europeans when I was in one of those corporate jobs and they got more holiday than we did. And I think that work-life balance is just significantly different. And I feel so lucky to have been exposed to that at a relatively young age. Um, We still have capitalism. We still have some hustle culture. Of course we do. However, it is different, you know, like when I was working my corporate jobs, I think my full-time hours was like 39 hours a week. You know, you get a whole hour of paid like, lunch. That like, sounds low. Talking to my corporate clients yeah. here in the States, they're, I had this client recently who was really frustrated that she kept thinking about her job in her meditations. And I said, well, how many hours a week are you working? She was like, well, 50, like as a baseline. And then plus, I'm like, well, then what else are you doing? 50 years? She's like, I don't think there's time to do anything else. Yeah. For so of course, that's what you're going to be thinking about in your meditation. So I'm like, what? 39? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really wonderful to have this kind of culture of, of the work-life balance. Um, and I think as I moved into entrepreneurship, I really wanted to take that with me. 
right? I didn't want to engage in hustle. I didn't want to engage in overworking. And I've had my moments. I've tested my boundaries. I've sometimes (laughs) gone over, as I think many of us do. However, um, for me, one of the things I did when I actually got laid off from my last corporate job, I think it was the universe kind of going, all right, pal, you're probably not going (laughs) to quit your job. It's time to go, right? It's time to actually, I'm going to give you a, a big old swift kick in the ass to get really into coaching. And I kind of took it as that opportunity. And I decided pretty early on, um, within the first three to six months of, of leaving that corporate job, that I was going to do an integration week every single month. Oh, a lot of, um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of women or people who menstruate do this um, to take. Wait, Gigi, I just lost you. To take care of their cliffhanger. I want Wait, to Gigi, sure- I got to interrupt you. Somehow we got interrupted and I don't know oh, why. So okay. you, the last thing I heard you say was to like the integration week to take care of their. Yes. So for, for a lot of women who menstruate or a lot of humans who menstruate often take an integration week that um, is around their cycle. That way they can take care of their bodies. They can move a little slower, right? They can just really be in tune with what's going on with them physically. And for me, I decided that that was a really important time to take for myself period or otherwise to be able to slow down to be able to literally integrate everything that i was learning um and because i'm a very multi-passionate person i need time to be able to work on things that are not my coaching business right i need to be able to work on my music i need to be able to work on my photography i need to be able to uh plan or simply just rest and actually understand everything that I've been learning and doing. And so for me, like, I think uh, the integration weeks are, are not, it's not something that I came up with, but because I had that experience of working in these European types of office. Gigi, I lost you again. Let's see if she comes back. Gigi? Okay, I think. I th- okay. What, what did you hear? Are you getting, sometimes I know if a call comes through, maybe it can interrupt. Yeah, I think that's what just happened there. Okay. Okay, cool. So what you were just saying was um, the experience of working in European types of office spaces. Right. So that working in those European types of office spaces where you have sick leave, you have ample amounts of of paid vacation time. Um, I've had experiences where, you know, HR will, they've never spoken to me. I was always very happy to take time off, but you know, people will say, why haven't you taken any holiday? Like you can't, you can't roll this over. You have to go take some time off. So I think having that experience, I wanted to be able to carry that forward into this wild world of entrepreneurship and understand that, you know, rest is a requirement. Um, and, and on top of that, my multi-passions, I need to be able to like get stuck into songwriting for a whole yeah. day and, and not be interrupted by calls. Like I love my clients and I love speaking to them. And also if you've got a couple of calls, you can't sit down and really get into the nitty gritty of songwriting. Well, okay. So you said like 15 things that I loved. So working (laughs) backwards. So I write. Okay. So just now before getting on the call, it's 9am here. 
That's a little early for me. Most of my calls are scheduled starting at 10. I do see that one corporate client I mentioned at nine, <laughs> um, but it's a little early for me, but I jammed in a workout. I jammed in a meditation. Amazing. I was interrupted by my cat, but I jammed it in. I took some <laughs> supplements. You know what I mean? I'm not showered. I didn't stretch. I threw together my little, my, my little vegan protein shake. I've got it here with me, some water. So I've done everything I need. And then I'm like, she can't see me. <laughs> so I don't have to look in the mirror. You know what I mean? Like then it's being able to sift through what's important, what's not important, what's important. I know myself, if I put off that workout till after this conversation, will I get to it? That's laughable. Yeah. <laughs> and so I know that. And also I want to be full. I want to feel alive and in my body when I'm having a conversation like this and not distracted by discomfort or I just haven't fully woken up or mm. even oxygenated. So I jam that in. But my writing, I need uninterrupted time to get into my yeah. own groove. And I'm actually doing a podcast, um, a solo podcast where I muse on getting into a state of flow uh, is coming mm. out soon. Will you speak to that a little bit so that we can capture your, this conversation is going to come out after that, but would you speak to that just as the life of the artist, as well as an entrepreneur? Oh yeah. I mean, flow, I, I am a projector in human design. So if you are familiar with projectorness, um, one of the most important things in being a projector is that flow state, right? Like actually on, I think it was Wednesday, I was, I don't know, I just woke up and I had all sorts of energy. I was like, go, go, go. Tasks were being ticked off my list faster than I could actually write them down. And I, I did that for nearly 12 hours, not because I was hustling, but because I was just in that like almost hyper productive state and it felt good, right? I was yeah. in like, a, it's like a, a fast flow. And then Thursday I woke up and I was like, oh, my god <laughs> i am exhausted i'm yeah. done <laughs> yeah um and so i think like what what flow is for me is having enough structure i think of it like um a riverbank i grew up in west virginia so we've got rivers at basically every border <laughs> a very big part of my childhood a very big part of my my upbringing was being surrounded by bodies of water particularly rivers and creeks and streams and I think there has to be some level of structure, like the riverbank, right? Yeah. And what goes within that is that flow. And there are these moments where the current really picks up and it's a little bit more of the rapids and you go with it and you ride that. And then there are parts where everything just really slows down. And so I think for me, what I've figured out with my multi-passions, with being a projector, with being a person who also does have some chronic health conditions, I'm, I'm quite fortunate that my chronic health conditions don't often have major impact, but they're there, right? And I have to be aware of them. And flow is, is about creating enough structure to keep you moving towards your goals towards your bigger aims, towards your bigger outcomes, but also allowing for yourself to be. And I think that's something that I've struggled with, being like a recovering perfectionist, coming from a family of origin that was very hypervigilant. Being was something that I really had to figure that out. How can I be? And I think that comes back to culturally growing up as an American, even working in, you know, UK corporate offices, there's some sense of you have to be productive, you have to produce, you have to create. And 
that's been a really interesting learning curve for me over the last few years of entrepreneurship, of augmenting my multi-passions, understanding how to create enough structure that you are still moving forward, but also allowing for things to flow at whatever pace they come. And knowing that being and pausing or allowing that slower current to kind of float you down that river is, is vital. Well, I think that's one of the coolest definitions of flow I've ever heard. I tend to get really in my head. So I wrote that down and I'll be quoting you in, in the podcast that comes before. So I'll, I'll do a little, we'll see people to want to listen to our interview because um, that was fantastic. You know, and I, I've heard that riverbank analogy before and it makes so much sense. And I think about it a lot in terms of masculine, feminine, like the masculine is that infrastructure and the feminine is that flow. I just interviewed somebody yesterday about the divine feminine and that. So however people want to define it, but to really not feel like to, to, to kind of get that you can almost parse apart the different aspects of yourself. Like um, I just did an episode on just start the damn project. And it's this idea of just get started, <laughs> but, you know, just do the, somebody asked me in an interview yesterday, like, well, what advice would you give? I'm like, just start the project. I don't care what it is. Is it personal development? Is it starting a company? Just get started and then you'll figure out what's blocking you or stopping you from there. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can't but, figure out what the block is if you haven't even started. If you haven't stepped out. Exactly. Okay. Spoken like yeah. a true coach who's done her <laughs> own personal development work. Yes. Okay. And so um, I think one of the things that I was talking about in that episode is don't try to be the writer in my case and also the editor at the same time. And it's like you just know that there's a riverbank and there's a flow. I think being able to distinguish those two is so helpful for people to just even get their head around what's happening. Um, so I, I really loved how you said that and how can I be, which reminds me of something else I wanted to speak to when you were talking about socialized medicine. And I'm like, I'm in upstate, you're from West Virginia. I'm in like deep rural upstate New York, right? One of the poorest yeah. counties here. And they're like, socialism. What? I'm like, yes, <laughs> come on, roads, bridges, medicine. Wouldn't that be great? You, all of you people who were poverty stricken and sick, we could help with that. But yeah. there's that mindset, right? About, I don't need no handout, that kind of a thing. And I'm like, it's not a handout if we're all paying taxes into the yeah. system. And so there's that mindset difference. Um, and just what you're talking about, doing, being productive. And you can be, I had a type A client who, when she actually took a month off, Gigi, and she just said, it was like white knuckling. She had moved to Florida. She's sitting oh, on yeah. her balcony in the sun. But she was like, how can I just sit here and feel my feelings? Because she said things were just coming up. It was, she was like, I'm in this beautiful oh, yeah. paradise. And she was white knuckling the whole month. And she had this real spiritual, emotional breakthrough where she didn't need to write down her 40 item to-do list and stay rigid. She was getting more done living from a state of being like you're describing. And it's such a radical concept and <laughs> the, um, yeah. the American mindset police certainly don't want us to know about it. So <laughs> I love that you said that. And I also wanted to speak to that idea of the integration week. I don't know if I've ever heard that phrase before, except when I've said, I know I didn't invent it, but I've never heard anybody say to me integration week, but I do know every time I've run a group program, I'm like, this is our integration week. And reading some of the science that's now coming out about how your brain lays down new tracks and how you, like what you were saying, like kind of remember what you learned, you have to mm -hmm. sleep on it. You have to rest. Absolutely. It literally has to integrate into your very biology. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially when we're in this entrepreneurship and whether you are in America or in cultures that are sort of adjacent to that and coaching is obviously uh, very popular in America specifically. And it's very easy to, to want to always be consuming. And I think that that's something that especially if you're in coaching or you're coaching coaching adjacent or you are um, desiring to be in a coaching container, most people who are attracted to these spaces are wanting to learn, right? We are all wanting to learn and grow. This is a self-improvement process, a professional development process. And what that means is that we can get addicted to learning. Yeah. And that's great. But but if you don't have time <laughs> yeah. to process or apply what you've learned, well, then your brain is just giant, but you've done nothing else. You've built your, your brain muscle, right? But you haven't built anything outside of that. And I think especially for newer coaches, that's something that is the struggle. So going back to that point about getting into action, right? You have to get into enough action to apply your learning you have to have enough rest to integrate that learning and i think it's just that cycle of we learn we digest we rest we create and we come back and it's not even just a cycle because i think you can sort of um skip through all of the different steps right it doesn't necessarily have to be from a to b to c and i think we can in this coaching industry specifically we can get so addicted to learning and in a lot of the group programs i run i i do also have integration weeks generally and my aim is to have people do in the spaces like a lot of my spaces are do it now types of spaces Mm. come and let's do canva let's learn how to build graphics together let's take self-portraits together let's write your messaging together because i think that's something that we we can sit and we can watch videos or we can be in courses and we can learn and learn and learn and then you leave that space and for so many of us entrepreneurs so many of us are multi-passionate and busy it's hard to then find that time to go and do. And so I think what I like to do is integrate the learning with the doing, because I think it's a really powerful way, not only to learn, but to start that ball rolling into action. You know, I want to just jump in and say, because I started, I worked with a personal coach about 13 years ago. I too have had chronic health issues my whole adult life. And um, so I started working with a health coach back about 13 years ago. And then that just segued into going to school for coaching, hiring coach after coach, doing program Mm -hmm. after program. I mean, when people are like, ooh, I had somebody talk to me once a few years ago. She's like, I once spent a thousand dollars on a program and I did not get what I came for. And I was like, then you don't want to work with me because you, you're going to get more than you came for something different. And a thousand dollars sounds like, I mean, I've spent at least a hundred thousand dollars over the past decade or so. So I just was completely in the, I want to learn. Now, some of it came from exactly what you said, like a desire to learn, to build, to grow all of that good stuff, to build my own business. It's very cool stuff that we can get up to. 
And I also at a certain point had to recognize that I felt like I was broken and I was going to these coaches like, please fix mm -hmm. me. I need mm -hmm. help. I need to be fixed. Now, it turned out to be partly true. Like I think what you were speaking to a minute ago is we need to be able to win. We need to be able to acknowledge, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to be able to acknowledge like, oh, I've made progress. And to oh, really yeah. like that integration to come out and to feel different and not to always be in like, I'm empty, broken, <laughs> yearning, <laughs> craving, fix me. And um, so, but there were also some places where what you just talked about with getting, like getting your people into the doing in the program itself, I really could have used that because my shit came up so hard and I literally in the past few weeks, two weeks, had a massive breakthrough around marketing and showing up at my desk, desk consistently. Working with clients, I could do that all day long. I mean, I also want time to chill out. I love to just be. It's one of my favorite things yeah. in the world to do. So I don't want that taken from me. But I love talking to people and I love being with people on this road to self-realization. I love that. And sitting down at my desk to do consistent marketing I literally went into fight or flight, like brutal. Mm -hmm. I was dissociating. I finally, so in the past couple of weeks, I actually um, started to do some, somebody recommended another book that created a breakthrough for me through doing the exercises, FYI, not from reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to like let people know that is how it works. You do have to do the things. Um, but as I'm just thinking back on this $100,000 or whatever I spent in the six private coaches and the six group programs that I, I, I would go, I would learn. I was the best student there. Um, oh, yeah. you know, and then I would come home and I would not be able to make something happen because yeah. I was in this horrible trauma response, like with PTSD. I actually had a client recently say that she was on a zoom. I'm laughing because it's funny when you step back, it was horrifying for her in the moment. She was on a zoom at a meeting at work and she was one of the higher ups in the meeting and supposed to be participating. And she had some kind of a panic attack and had to mute herself and shut off her video. And she said, I think I have PTSD from like meetings and working with these people. And mm. I related, not in the same exact way, but like what is coming up here? My trauma response is coming up. So yeah, I needed, I need to do the healing, some of these cool mm -hmm. exercises yeah. I discovered. But what you're talking about is what would that have been like for me if I'd had a coach who was literally actually like there for me, like, okay, just open Canva. Just that's all we're doing right now because yeah. it really yeah. does sometimes have to break down into like yeah. ridiculous seeming just open Canva and then like stand up and shake it out and we'll talk from there, like whatever that looks like. So I think that's a really inspired, brilliant way to help people because I also know my coaches got really frustrated with me. But I'm like, yeah. but you, we talk for 45 minutes and then you leave me alone for the rest of the week. Yeah, they're, you're, they're, you're like, oh, well, now what, right? Yes. All of those things come up, whether it's like a trauma response, which obviously we all have them. And my favorite, like I, I call myself, you know, the, the way I coach is around really, it's like empowerment and expression, right? I want you to be fully self-expressed, whether that's through your Canva graphics, through recording videos and reels or self-portraiture or your written word or even your offers, right? Like your offers are a form of self-expression because it's what you're providing 
to the world, to your clients. And, but that has to come from feeling like you can actually fucking do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I've, I've worked with people who were comfortable in Canva, right? I've worked with people who were comfortable in front of the camera and I've worked with people who wouldn't do it unless I held their hand. But as soon as they're like, oh, oh, I can add text. <laughs> I can resize this. Yeah. Oh my God, I can take a really good picture. I don't hate how I look in this image. It translates everywhere. And I think that's why for me, empowerment mm. and expression are so, so deeply linked. They are, they are absolutely like you, you can have them separately, of course, but I think they're, it's exponentially powerful when you can empower somebody to be self-sufficient in their self, self-expression. And so for me, these do it now spaces are so important because I need you to see, I need you to understand that you can do it. You can create the thing. You can clarify your message. You can create beautiful graphics. You can create beautiful portraits. And when you have that inside of you, you know that whether I'm there holding your hand or not, you can do it because you've proven to yourself that you can do it you know that you can do it. And I think that's why especially my group spaces are held in that way, because it it combines that deeper sense of empowerment with that, let's get the ball rolling. Let's do it now. Let's, let's prove to you. Let's build evidence that you can create the things that you want to create in a way that feel aligned with the message that you're sending to the world. Yeah, I really, really like that. You know, and I'm using on a client now too, where I actually led one of our coaching sessions, which are about 90 minutes, and I love to talk, but I realized she was so good at talking. Hi, kitty cat. I'm glad I'm on <laughs> earphones or hi, Harlow. A sailor would be awake and flipping out right now if he heard that. Um, but that I walked her through instead of talking, like she's in therapy, she's seeing me. I'm like, talking, you've got a sense of everything. You can talk your way into and out of everything. You need to get into being. And so I just did like, I designed a workshop, like coaching session for her, just physical practices, breathing exercises. Um, I at one point refused to speak to her until she had started meditating. Um, and it really is that, moment. And I text her now in the middle of the week and I just don't hear back from her. And she's, mm -hmm. she's like, no, but it's good. You're texting me because it does interrupt me because she falls into this workaholism. And I get it too. Like you were saying, when the flow gets really rough, like when it's fast, you're just in it and you might be working 12 hours. Um, but when that's the corporate culture and you're caught up and you're practically drowning and you don't have room to come up for air, it, it is a problem for people. I mean, maybe so, she was, she's always like, well, maybe when I was young, cause it's true. Sometimes she looks at people <laughs> who are in their twenties and they're like, this is, this is amazing. You feel high, but she just turned 40. So it feels like a different game. She wants to have a baby. Like it's a different, she's at a different stage too. So I really, you know, it's, it's interesting what you're saying. Cause it's one thing that I've been really hardcore musing on for myself with this one specific client where I'm thinking, and I've said to her, <laughs> I'm like transparent. I think it's sort of startling to her, but I'm like, I've never, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can help you at this point. Cause she's saying, well, cause her big block is just doing it. Right. It's not yeah. knowing that she needs to. And so, um, there are so many great tools out there. Um, but again, it's, 
that idea that you're bringing of getting people to actually sit down and then have that victory over Canva, which I really, yeah. having been there, I'm like, oh wow. And I love how you said that, Gigi, that it translates everywhere. I did this video on Instagram uh, a couple of months ago. We had been raising chickens and um, I wound up just, it's a whole long story. And I think I told it fully there. And I just, warning for anybody who's vegan and freaks out, freaks out about this, but I wound up um, slaughtering the chickens. And mm -hmm. I, the level of empowerment that it created in me, that I could create food for myself and my dog and my cat, like, and that I had a, it was deep spiritual communing with these animals. It was a huge process. So I, yeah. I was not flippant with it. And my boyfriend was here and he's like, big, strong army guy. Like, you want me to just <laughs> do it for you? I'm like, no, I want you to help me find a knife, teach me how to sharpen it and then stay in the house and just let me take yeah. however long it takes. And I, the level of confidence that I felt afterwards I'm like, Maya, really? Are you afraid to follow up with this potential client? You just yeah. handled the, some shit over here. Like when the revolution comes, you can feed your family. Like I just yeah. proved that to myself. And so I really, really like how you're walking people through, giving them these victories, the evidence, like you said, like, oh, wow, I can do this. And then it translates everywhere. I love how you said that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think for me, you know, there, there's a huge section of this coaching industry, which is exceptionally spiritual. And that's not me personally, right? And, and it serves a lot of people. And that's all I'll really say on that. I think for me, coaching is practical. And it has to be deeply holding. Like, I will also say that too. You have to be able to witness people and support people in their most vulnerable states, right? And understanding, having an understanding of trauma, whether you're coaching on trauma or not is a, dif a different discussion, but having right. an understanding of trauma, having an understanding of, of wounding <laughs> and catalyst stories, formative situations that lead us to the trust issues we have now or the confidence issues we have now, those th that is a huge, huge part of what I do, especially in my one-to-one -one coaching. And I am here to help you get more of what you need, right? If you come to me lacking confidence and lacking self-empowerment, I want you to leave that container with more of that. If you come to me saying, I, my graphics, oh my God, it looks like a seven-year-old did this, <laughs> right? And I need to have better graphics. Like, I want you to leave with better graphics. If you say, I need to be more visible, I can't afford a professional photographer three times a year, but I need to get myself out there, I will help you take those self-portraits, edit them, post them, feel good about them, create the business or create the life through practical steps, practical tools. And sometimes that's a loving shove off an edge. And I've had to be shoved <laughs> off, of, off yeah. of those edges as well. You know, I think for a long time, I felt like I was a lazy person. I felt like I was a non-starter. I felt like I couldn't keep up with things. I couldn't follow through with things. I couldn't stick to things that I was half-assing things a lot. And what I really realized that a lot of that was, was the inner critic getting in the way. And it was that inner, those inner critic voices that come up and tell you that 
you know, whether it's the perfectionist of, well, it has to be a certain degree of done or perfect to be put out there into the world. Um, whether it's sometimes that I call it like the master of none, the person, <laughs> the inner critic that comes up and says, well, you know, you'll never learn how to play guitar. So why even bother? Right. Just you'll quit in two weeks anyway. So what's the point? Um, and I, I've, I've actually created a, an inner critic archetype quiz. Oh, that, I love that, that. Yeah, it's so fun. And you can sort of take this quiz to understand your main inner critic archetype. I think most of us have at least probably two quite leading inner critics, you know, and we sometimes have two maybe supporting ones that sometimes come in. The challenge with the inner critic, though, is that it's a shapeshifter right? It will, it will change as you change. It will change as your circumstances change. And as you heal, I don't think the inner critic ever goes away, but I think it's these little, often little whispering voices of don't bother. It's not going to be good enough. What's the point? Everything just turns to shit anyway. It's all of these little inner critic things that keep us from being in action. Yeah. And that for me was one of the biggest shifts once I understood that it's these inner critic voices that were, that were causing the roadblocks, that were making these roadblocks feel a lot bigger than they actually were. And it wasn't allowing me to step back and say, you know what, this website is good enough, right? And it's, that has to be enough. Or this program is in a beta round and I will learn as I do or, you know, whatever that might look like that, that once I started to, I call it dethroning the inner critic, once you start <laughs> to dethrone that inner critic and understand that, you know, it's probably never going to go away. That was the thing that helps you get into action. That's where you start tapping into your inner creator, that flow state, that, that, you know, you might still have some fears, you might still have some concerns, it's very normal when you're doing something new. But it's that moment where you go, well, this is going to be a learning experience. And I just have to try. Or I might be bad at graphics when I start doing them, but I will only get better the more I practice. And I think for me, that inner critic, understanding how to quiet it, understanding where it comes from, understanding how it shows up, my inner critic, when it shows up in the band is different than when it shows up in the business. Huh. But understanding what it is and understanding how you can start to quiet it and put it back into the corner where it belongs. And that's what leads to you having all of this space to be like, oh, I can just create. I can just see. I can just do. And you can be curious about the outcome without being so committed to knowing things are going to somehow go wrong. Hey, it's Maya. I am excited to announce Maya Wild's prescription for a personal revolution. That's a fancy way of saying that I've got some cool new mechanisms for you to get out of your own way in life and start expressing the hell out of your true self. Come over to mayawild.thinkific.com. You can take my free life on fire self-assessment quiz because you need to know where you are to figure out where you're going to go next. You can join my private Facebook group, Wild Women on a Cosmic Mission and a Few Bold Men, where you get to meet and hang out with like-minded people as your real self. 
yourself. And I've also got a guided meditation on lighting your inner fire along with some journal prompts. There's a new masterclass to set your life on fire, the three keys to ignite your life that's available also at myowild.thinkific.com. You do not have to walk this road of life alone and you definitely do not have to stay stuck. So click the link in the show notes or just go to myowild.thinkific.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe, share it far and wide and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I love hearing your experience of the show and I love having you as a listener to this podcast. What I'm thinking of as you're talking uh, is the thing that drew me to you in the first place was all of those gorgeous self-portraits that you post. Mm-hmm. And talking about, I started showing your stuff to my boyfriend months ago. I don't have any clue how I found you on Instagram. I'm very new to even paying attention to Instagram. But I thought it was really interesting that you were doing these very expressive, creative um and very, what I mean by that too, is it seemed like I could feel your personality coming through the photographs and the, like the aesthetics too. They're not, I'm like, I couldn't put a photograph like that together over here because I don't have the, the <laughs> lamp. Like I, I've got different stuff over here. Um, but then that you were also really showcasing, there are practical steps to be able, and I, there, I don't even remember what it was at this point, but you said something, it was something like, I remember a more recent one. This wasn't the original one that I tried, but you were showing, it was like you were sitting in a chair and you're like, you had your legs wide and it looks kind of mm-hmm. awkward. And you're like, look awkward, lean forward. Oh, mm-hmm. and it, it, so it's this, how can you be self-expressive um, in something where it, we do feel vulnerable looking at ourselves in photographs? We, it, all of our oh, self-doubts yeah. come up there, right? But there are actual techniques to look better. I've seen pictures of me ever since doing some of the early training that I did. I was an actor, so also headshots and, you know, all of that uh, practice being in front of the camera. So I'll see when I get in front of, you know, a camera, someone's like, let's take a group shot. I immediately kind of go halfway, one leg staggered, sucking mm-hmm. in the belly. You know what I mean? I've got my thing yeah. and everybody else is just kind of standing there. And then they're like, <clears throat> excuse me. You can tell I haven't, I have like, this is first thing in the morning for Maya. Um, <laughs> um, but they're like, wow, why do I look that way? You look good. People have said that to me. Like you look great in your photographs. And I'm like, it's really some training. I mean, honestly, yeah there's some training. And And so, yeah. Yeah. And it's like with self-portraiture, I think really the self-portrait guide, I've been a photographer for many, many years. Photography has been a passion. Film is actually what I love. I've got multiple, mm, too many film cameras (laughs) and I love film. And portraiture was something that's only been more recent for me. I'm I'm starting to actually take on portrait clients as well. And self-portraiture was really born out of the pandemic. It was born out of literally not being safe enough to have my photograph taken by someone else. And I thought, you know what? I can do this. I I can do this. I've got all the stuff. I've got all the things. And at that, even at that time when I started self-portraiture and I created the self-portrait guide, which is like an evergreen course, um, I didn't have a lot of fancy equipment. Like the equipment that I have now is, is professional because I do portraiture where I need better lighting and I need, you know, different types of things. Um, But, but the really, like I created the self-portrait guide and 95% of the self-portraits you'll see on my Instagram, on my website are taken with my iPhone. That's it. And they're edited in Visco, um, VSCO, like an app that you can actually get a free version. You can get a paid version. Um, I'm not editing in Photoshop. 
I am not taking photos on my Fujifilm camera. Like I, most of my self-portraits are, are experimenting with what the average person has, which is lamps in your home, um, a tripod, which a lot of us have small ones, or you can get them very easily um, with, with an iPhone and with an easily accessible app because I want to show how easy it is. And I think what self-portraiture is, is a celebration of who you are. It's a celebration of how you express yourself to the world. And when it comes down to it, you know, I, I always struggle with words like flattering poses. Like, ah, I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I'm like, well, you are, you make all of these faces. Your body is all of these things. And, and also I think it's really important to feel good about how we move through the world. And whether you choose a full face of makeup and your hair being done and dressing in a certain way, or you choose to be in your yoga pants and a bit of moisturizer and your hair slicked back in a ponytail, it doesn't matter, right? What, what matters is that you are able to capture what you have and connect with other people. And so self-portraiture for me, it, it is, there are so many small things that you can do when it comes to posing, when it comes to lighting. This is not rocket science. And I think the challenge I have when it comes to self-portraiture or self-branding is that the reality of the world do judge the quality of somebody's work on the visuals. And you see before you read. Yeah. And that's a really important reminder. You see someone, you see a photo, you see a graphic before you read their content or before you engage if it's a video, right? You see it before you read it or you listen to it. And I actually, this is probably counterintuitive because I do a lot of pro, uh, programs and support on, on branding and self-portraits and visuals. I actually don't think that's the most important thing at all. I think you being very good at what you do. I think you having great offers or products, um, engaging in ethical, you know, ways, engaging in ethical yeah. businesses is, is a tenfold. It's not even a competition. What's more important. However, if you have all of those things, you've got amazing offers, you've got something unique and valuable, and you are engaging in ethical behaviors, then we gotta, we gotta show that, right? We've got to show yeah. your magic because people do, if you, I don't know if you've ever done this, you've, you know, clicked a link to a website and it looks like the website hasn't been updated since 1997. Yeah. You're probably going to think about putting your car details in there. You're like, is this legit? Is this, yeah. ooh, do I want to give them my personal information? And I think it's, it's the same, it's the same thing, right? Professional looking graphics, beautiful expressed self-portraits it helps people trust you. And if you have a good product, if you have a good service, if you are doing business in, in ethical ways, then it's vital to show that. It's vital to be able to show up. And when your branding and when your content is chaotic, you don't feel confident. You don't wanna post. If you're not clear on your messaging, sitting down to write that newsletter or that next post is going to feel agonizing. No, oh, yes, I know and, from personal experience. Yeah, right. And as soon as you're like, oh, shit, I do know what I'm doing. Wait a second. I am really clear on how to express this, whether it's a visual or whether it's your messaging or whether it's your offers. 
when you have that clarity and you can understand how to showcase what you do, I mean, you're unstoppable. It, it, it's, it's what brings that business into other people's consciousness because they trust you. Well, and you know, everything you're saying is making really good sense to me. And I'm reflecting on, I went through a period of a few years where I just said in the worst possible way, you can say fuck it in the best possible way, but I said it in the worst <laughs> possible way. Like, like, screw this. I just, I saw all of these coaches who I knew were either assholes or, you, you know, mm -hmm. like, like from, I was on the uh, conference circuit here in the States for a few years. And so seeing one face people put forward publicly and then running into them in the bathroom and being like, mm. oh, I see who you really are. Not, and I'm not saying I can have my bad moments for sure. And I actually, I went to this, um, I had, I had a spiritual awakening. I was raised atheist, wound up at a church, joining a church. And the, the, I think this guy almost, he and his wife almost single-handedly are the reason why I actually got baptized and did the whole thing because he mm -hmm. was saying things like, oh, the reason I don't have like a, you know, a Jesus or a bumper sticker or something on my car is because I know who I am when I drive. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, get out of the way, you know? <laughs> so yes, we can have these different facets to our personality, but when somebody's like a mean spirited human being who's really grasping and just out for their own success and then putting it forward that they're this spiritually evolved person. I was seeing those kinds of distinctions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or contra like bad, not, not like interesting contradictions like this priest I just mentioned who I'd run into at the store and he'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm on my Harley. You know, not that. Yeah. Which is yeah. interesting. So, um, yeah, the, mis the misalignment of, of what they're representing versus who they actually are. Yeah. Towards. And it's like you say, multi passionate, or I like to say, multifaceted human being. So, um, uh, wait. Oh, so many thoughts. So many thoughts. Oh, that <laughs> I got really frustrated. It was sort of, it was like, actually, as I'm thinking about it, it was like getting back to high school for me, but I was 40 yeah. and all of the in girls, they were mean girls and, but they had great hair. And I was yep. like, I can never be one of them, but I didn't want to be. Yep. But I also I, felt exactly like I where couldn't, you were. right? Okay. So, and it, it was like, oh, I'm revisiting that. So, and I just seeing all of this superficiality, this level of superficiality, and this is going back a decade. So things have definitely adjusted for the better in many ways, but not, not always. And there are always going to be people who are more interested in the, the surface of things. So, okay, mm -hmm. we're all on our own path. And in the coaching industry, just seeing that if you didn't have, if you weren't like doing new headshots three times a year, which again, as an actor, they're like, do headshots every five years. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I'm like, what is this yeah. three times a year? What have I entered into? And um, so I really resisted. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I kind of grew my hair out in a funky way. I got rid of my bangs, which I'm never going to do again. I actually had this energy guy <laughs> who was like, your intuition comes through your forehead. He did a whole test on me and I could feel the difference. I'm like, you know what? I'm too intuitive. We'll just grow the bangs back. But it took me a few years <laughs> where I was following outside advice on how to do my hair and I didn't feel like me. Yep. And I also felt less than these glamour girls. And so I was, and I wanted to push back against this level of superficiality that I saw. But what I wound up doing was I was coming from like sort of the depths of despair. Like I would be scraggly, like I'm not going to wear any makeup. Yeah. 
And I'm like, but that's not who I really am either. I was also getting older. So I didn't, and I was saying this to a friend the other day who really felt like, no, it's, we just see women differently than men. And I'm like, no, cause there are women who I'm friends with or who are in my feet or like Kelly Clarkson. She does all of these. Mm. She, during the pandemic was doing her, um, the voice as a judge and her talk show from home via whatever with no makeup on. And I yeah. was super blown away by that. She's this big time pop star, but there's no superficiality to her. And so there's yeah. a weight and she looked, she still looked good. But I want to say this. I still, I did a video yesterday in the middle of my day where I didn't have any makeup on. And I'm like, let me just show my, I'm sitting at it now, my sound booth, which is a laundry basket. Now I have a bathrobe thrown over it. <laughs> um, it was a towel yesterday, but this idea of, I felt like I had to resist against, but I wasn't really expressing my true self who is wild, who is free. Yeah. Um, but who also, I don't know if you want to say I have vanity, which I do, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I want to be able like, who am I really? Am I, do I just, is my true self dumpy? you know, or is mm -hmm. my true self actually, and this is, I had a midlife crisis a few months ago, I'm turning 50 in July. So I had this midlife crisis and I came out of it. I was in this meditation and I realized I want to be vivid in my marketing yeah. and in myself. Mm. And I realized, Gigi, that I had this self-consciousness about wearing bright lipstick and mm -hmm. I wound up, I was really scared and I bought some bright red lipstick and I didn't tell anybody. I went to the store and I got it. I did all this. I'm like in Walmart, literally here. In <laughs> Cooper, to, to give me Carmen San Diego sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And I bought this red lipstick <laughs> and I put it on like in the morning after my boyfriend left for work. And then I took it off mm -hmm. before he came home. And that happened for about a week. And then I said to him, I actually am like this confession. I'm experimenting with lipstick. I was scared to show him. He loved yeah. it. My best friends were like, Go, do whatever the fuck you want, my God. And I'm yeah. looking at your self-portraits all at the same time. And I started experimenting. And I was, and again, I got to the place of like, okay, let's get vivid because I'm turning 50. So it really felt like I'm going to regret it if I don't do it. So I started showing yeah. up more vividly, but then I wanted to take some photos. And I have my iPhone and I have a couple of ring lights with the tripod built in, you know, and I was really struggling with my background, like we, the background here, I, my background really again with this. And I'm showcasing <laughs> this because I want people to get like, this is what's happening in you and all yeah. of us when we're not doing, like everybody else has this nice background. So I got a little obsessed with backgrounds. And then one of my early self-portraits is one of the best photographs. My friend, I sent it to a friend. She was like, it's now in my phone as your contact photo. But in the background is a cat scratching post. <laughs> like, this is so great. <laughs> but it's blurred out nicely because I yeah. followed your techniques, but I'm like lounging on the floor and that was in my background. Um, but I really just felt like I can't do this. I don't have the equipment. And then I had this memory of, I think I have a remote shutter somewhere mm -hmm. that came with one of the ring lights. So I dug through some stuff on a shelf and I found it. And then my thought was, well, I bet it's not going to work. I mean, I'm going to have to find a special battery. So I flipped the on yep. switch and it came on and I was like, oh, and then I started taking pictures. And this is something I'd really like you to speak to because I started taking photographs and some of them were God awful. And I had that mm -hmm. feeling of like, I'm really ugly. It's true. I always knew it. Mm -hmm. And then some of them came out great. And I just, yeah. I took like at least 40 pictures at the first day I did it, Gigi, I did like three or four outfits. I tried 
four different backgrounds, lying on the floor, standing up, all this stuff. I was surprised by what worked. I tried to do some of your, you do this great thing where you're like, just like exhale through your lips, like, mm-hmm. and see your lips. I tried that. I looked ridiculous. You look great. <laughs> I did not work for me. I was like, no, different expression over here. Um, but I was surprised by what worked and you know, I did have to take a lot of bad, bad pictures and have to get past some of that. So will you talk, the self-portraiture is what drew me to you. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I now have dozens whenever I did it yesterday after this interview, I'm like, let's just take some self-portraits right here. And I sent one to the, she's like, I do need a a thumbnail. So I sent her one. She was like, Oh, you look so mischievous in that. Like I was like side <laughs> looking to the, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm doing now because of Gigi gold. So, um, <laughs> but, but so just talk, will you talk about the self portraiture and, and anything about it? Yeah. I mean, self portraiture is, and I love that you described this whole process because I think this is something that is, is really challenging when you start anything new. And it's more challenging when we add in something like self-portraiture because you are the art director, you are the photographer, you are the editor, and you are the subject, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a little different than sitting down and saying, oh, okay, I'm going to write a web page. I'm going to write my sales copy, or I'm going to create some graphics because there's a couple of steps removed. And when you are then the center of this in every capacity, this is where all, and I was hearing those inner critic voices come out. Oh, well, you know, the remote's not going to work. Right. <laughs> you know, like that, that's, that's, that, that's what that is. It was, yes. like, it was like the Oracle was coming in and saying, well, this is just going to be a failure. This isn't going to work anyway. Why are you getting your hopes up? You might as well quit, you know? Yeah. And with self-portraiture, it is, it is a process. Even within the self-portrait guide, there's a whole video on what I call the photographic process which is exactly what you're describing. It's understanding the tools that you have. And to be clear, if I can give some advice to any of the listeners, the tools that I would always, always advise that you have is some form of tripod. You can have a small one, like one of those flexible sort of desk style ones. If you have a ring light that has a tripod, use that, or you can get an actual tripod. They are not crazy expensive. Most of them nowadays come with phone attachments as well. They're super accessible. And the second thing that you really need is lighting and it doesn't have to be expensive. You can find these tiny little light boxes. I prefer light boxes over ring lights personally because they're much more portable. Um, But ring lights are also fine if you have a couple of lamps. If you're like living in a climate where you don't get a lot of sun and you have like a sad lamp, use one of those. Lighting is the second thing that needs to be good, right? And the third thing that that you've already mentioned is having a remote. So you can Mm. buy a Bluetooth remote clicker. If you have a smartwatch, I have an Apple watch, which basically functions the same way. Oh, wow. Those are the three things that will make taking self-portraits significantly easier. However, that's not the process. That's the (laughs) setup. And the, the setup, the setup is what makes the ease, the process itself easier. And the process looks like experimenting. I say, I say that posing is fidgeting with pauses. And so, whether it's your facial expression, whether it's your body, how you're posing, and I also suggest that when you're starting to take self-portraits, do whatever makes you feel the most confident. Wear something that feels beautiful, right? Whatever that is. 
and play some goddamn music play some music oh. that fits that mood right the other night i was actually sitting in my office i got off a workshop that i was running and i started to listen to this band rise against and i just started to take some really like attitudinal self-portraits because it it's like you know they're sort of a punk rock band for lack of a better genre and it helped to evoke that in me right if you want to come across as if you want to like tap into your sexuality or your sensuality, play music that supports that. If you want to get a little wild, play some good old rock and roll. If you want to, whatever emotion you're trying to evoke, play some music. It will help not only give your brain a very slight distraction because you're thinking, your brain is automatically spending a little bit of energy thinking about the music. And it also helps to like bring that feeling forth. So music is another really important thing. So when you're taking these photos, right, you get your setup ready and you start posing. And when you pose, you make slight movements, right? You decide to put your arm um, or your hand on your waist. Um, you shift forwards, you shift backwards, you turn to the right, you turn to the left, your chin goes up, your chin goes down, you look at the camera, you look past the camera, you look down at the floor, mm. right? That's like seven pictures right there. Yeah. And the idea is that once you take a handful of images, five or 10 or 15, pause and go look at your camera. Go look at the photos you've taken. Um, is the lighting good? Am I backlit? If I'm backlit, then I need to face the lighting, not have the lighting behind me, right? Is there something in the way? Is there something on the floor that I didn't notice before I started taking those pictures and, oh, that thing's really going to bother me? Move that. If you feel like your background isn't working for you, make sure you're in portrait mode or change where your setup is. So part of the photographic process is to have the setup be as easy as possible. And it's also to take a series of images where you are, every image or two slightly change something about your body or your facial expression. Take five or 10 or 15, pause and look at the photos. What's going well? What's not going so well? Did you get enough images? Did you not? Do you realize that, oh, okay, so that there's a weird shadow on my under eye and it looks like I've got a black eye because you know that yeah stuff just happens right okay well then that means I need to change the angle of my face or I need to adjust where that lamp is so what this really is about is it's about curiosity the photographic process is about curiosity it's about understanding that exactly what you described you think this image is going to be amazing and you think the background is going to work you think that that pose is going to be flattering. And then you look back at the image and you're like, well, that didn't work out. Yeah. That's not the cue to stop. Yes. That's the cue to pivot, right? That's the cue to go, okay, that didn't work. Well, what if I tried this? What if I sat on the edge of the seat? What if I put my legs like that? What if I changed where the lighting is? What if I put the camera angle above or below a little bit? What would that look like? And so when it comes to self-portraiture, if you can understand what you're trying to evoke and then set the scene for ease and then setting that music up and being really curious like this is part of the process and i have taken self-portraits before 
where, you know, I've done a whole session and I've gotten like three or four images and I'm like, yeah, these are good enough. And then yeah. I've taken self-portrait sessions before where 90%, I've got a 90% success rate. Mm. And, and it's, it's the reminder that this is truly a playful experience if you allow it and you absolutely will get terrible photos you probably <laughs> won't be very good at this right away but nobody is nobody's great at this right away and when you start talking about editing as well the reminder is that you know you can take a a, a good image and and create a great image if you edit it a little bit. Now, I'm not talking about face tuning. I am not talking about changing your body. I'm not talking about Photoshopping the way we think about Photoshopping magazines and celebrities and whatnot. I'm talking about putting that filter over your image um, to continue to evoke that feeling, right? Most of my photography is very colorful. And I think one thing that you were speaking to about you know, I realized when I was, you know, I'm, I'm going to be turning 50 and I was scared to wear lipstick. That really speaks to me because this is what I would call a being based goal. And I think when you understand who you're becoming, not just what you're becoming, but who are you becoming? That is what helps inform what your visuals look like. It helps inform how you express what you do. It helps inform how you get dressed every day. It helps you to inform how you rest, how you create. And when you understand who you're becoming, and for you, Maya, it sounds like part of who you're becoming is this more vivid, more vibrant version of yourself. And so how does that translate? That translates into lipstick. That translates into self-portraits that capture this vivid nature of your personality. And so when you understand that being based goal, I am a vivid person and I want to embody that, you then can create whether it's graphics or self-portraits or even messaging that yeah. matches that. Yeah, yeah. And you can take those steps backwards and go, is this self-portrait vivid? Does that capture vibrancy? And if it doesn't, that's where you can start to make different choices in your facial expressions or your poses or what color lipstick you're wearing. Yeah. You know, what wound up happening was my boyfriend went to the store. I, I went back and bought like two more lipsticks a, a couple of weeks later. And then he, one day we'd had a fight. He came home with like three great lipsticks. I was like, <laughs> what's going on here? But he was like, I don't know. One was like a bright pink, a different kind of red and a burgundy. And he just wanted me to try them all on. And it was very interesting. There were two colors that didn't work that we both thought that, that this burgundy would be it. And it wasn't the mm -hmm. vivid red is the one. So he started having fun with it. And it, it, it just, it really makes a difference for me. And what I did too, in that I have always felt like such an outspoken person. And in fact, most of my life, people are like, tone it down. <laughs> like I actually had this guy I was <laughs> making out with. Okay. Right. I was making out with some guy in high school and he basically was like, Maya, calm down. I'm like, no, are, are we not into this? I was just like, <laughs> so like really at 16 making out with some guy, he's like, ah, you're too much. Not everybody. Um, you know, yeah. it's a good way to filter them out. But, uh, so I always felt like, well, I'm so much, obviously I'm showing up fully 
And then I went back after this, this moment of crisis and that, that um, message in my meditation about being vivid. And I went through all of my Instagram and Facebook and social and old photographs and watched videos. And I was like, no, I was actually yeah. dumbing myself down and toning myself down. And then there were some where I was really pushing back against like the in-girl superficial mm -hmm. thing that I mentioned earlier. And I'm like, there's always a way, you know, and I think this is the place where I love that you said that um, I wrote it down, the, something about the photographic process. It's all about curiosity. I think life is about curiosity. And I, oh, yeah. I just, you know, be, and we, we have to challenge our beliefs. Like, well, I just don't look good in photographs. I, um, I'm actually, I hope if my mom's listening, I'm about to say this, I'm going to call her out here. Um, <laughs> but my mother's like very attractive and always has been. When I was growing up, um, she always had this long black hair and she like played a witch at my brother's nursery school on <laughs> Halloween. And she just dressed in like flowy skirts and tons of jewelry. And I just, you know, one of my bosses, when I worked here at the, like the local domestic violence shelter in my twenties, she was like, oh my God, your mom showed me real estate back in the eighties. And I just loved her style. But if you mm. say that to my mother, she's like, oh, I just threw things together. We never had a lot of money. So I just put on whatever, you know, that, yeah. or, um, I was waiting tables in the Hudson Valley going back like eight years ago. Um, again, I want us to talk a little about money and the coaching business and everything. You've touched on it already. And I see it in your, your social media posts. And I would like to talk about that in a minute too. But just to, as a primer for everybody, I was coaching and I was charging good money for my services, but I didn't have enough clients to pay all my bills. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to waitressing and I actually had a client who had a second home in the area where I was waitressing and she was a health coaching client. And one of her big issues was she liked to eat out so much that she was struggling to maintain her health goals with food. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to go wait tables and she and her husband are going to walk into a restaurant. And I had a couple of sleepless nights around pride. And mm. in one of my next sessions, I just said to her, oh, hey, by the way, I'm actually going to be picking up some shifts. I'm going to get emotional at this restaurant. And she goes, oh, wow, I bet you're a great waitress. And I was like, what? And she was <laughs> like, but just you care about people and you yeah. love talking about food. And she brought, she brought, she and her husband went on a double date and she brought in the couple to my restaurant and had me wait on them. Wow. And was thrilled to get to show me off. And mm -hmm. so I just want to, I want to say that out loud. Um, but when I was waiting tables at that restaurant, it was a couple of hours from where my mom lived, but people between New York city and where I live upstate, th that's, there were a lot of people stopping off. And then they would mention the town where my mom lives and she's kind of a public figure there. And I had two men say to me, she's your mother. She's hot. Literally my mother <laughs> at age 70. She's hot. Amazing. And I told her and she was like, no, I mean, no, I'm, no, I'm, and I'm like, no, I'm telling you men, one man in front of his wife. <laughs> and she, she was like, yeah, your mother is hot. Like there was no problem there, but my mom has yeah. this long silver hair and she wears all this crazy jewelry and she's just kind of a giddy personality, but she couldn't own any of it. Like she's still resisting yeah. owning it. And I have no idea why I'm telling you this story, but I am. What was I talking no, about? It, the curiosity it, it, or. Yeah. yeah, it really resonates with me. And I think um, with with my mom, you know, I experienced a lot of that too. She was a very is and still is an attractive person. Both of my parents are. Um, and, and there is this sort of low level like self deprecation. And I think this is the challenge between the vanity conversation and should looks be important 
And to me, that's not what this is about. Like self-portraiture, any visuals, like it, it's not about it having to look a certain way. And, you know, I am acknowledged that I'm probably closer to the center of privilege um, when it comes to looks. And also what matters is that your personality shines through because there are people out there that are not by our society's shared standards, quote unquote, good looking. They would never make the front cover of a magazine. And you know what draws us to those people is their personality, their ability to shine, their ability to express themselves, their ability to feel confident and comfortable in their skin, taking up space and sharing that with the world. Like that confidence, that self-assuredness is significantly more important than what size you are, what percentage of body fat you have, like what you're on the scale of one to 10 of looks, whoever decides, I don't know who decides, yeah, that, whatever's right. currently in fashion at the moment. You know, when I was growing up, it was the the waif, skinny, Kira Knightley's, Kate Moss's of the world. And heroin now we've got chic. a very different, yeah. right? The heroin chic was huge. And now the Kardashians, that's the ideal body standard. And they're all fucking unattainable. And they're all <laughs> right. pitting, pitting each other against themselves. But like, what matters is what's inside what matters is how you choose to express that and i think that's why things like self-portraiture it doesn't matter what your physical appearance is i don't like being complimented i find it a very strange thing when people uh, like comment on my physical appearance because i have had nothing to do with that i didn't Mm, i didn't choose how my face looks like I have chosen my tattoos, right? But I, and I've chosen my haircut, but I didn't cut my hair. I didn't create these tattoos. And I certainly did not create my own face, right? I didn't, I didn't make that choice. And so I find it a really strange compliment when people are like, you're so pretty or, you know, whatever people say. And I'm like, thanks. It was a gift. I didn't have anything to do with this. Like, I'd rather you compliment me on, um, the things that I have worked at, right? I'd rather you compliment me on those types of things. And if you comment on somebody's self-portraiture or you comment on how they're expressing, I think it's so much more important. And you had mentioned this about you witnessing my portraits. What came across most strongly for you wasn't my appearance. It was that you understood who I was. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's what this is about. So when you're having these hangups about your self-portraiture, like the most important thing to remind yourself is like, it, it, it's great to feel good about how you look, right? And I'm not shitting all over that either. Like, I don't think there's inherently a moral assigning that we should feel a certain way about how we look. However, when the beauty of self-portraiture is that it allows you to express who you are on the inside, what you value, how you show up to the world, how you engage with the world, how you serve the world, because you are in control. You are in control of those poses. You are in control of the editing. You are in control of the scene that you set while you're evoking those emotions. So I feel like that was a little bit of a tangent. No, it was amazing. Me, like, that that self-portraiture piece is, is about self-expression. It is not about having to look a certain way or feel a certain way about your physical appearance. It's about understanding that this is a way to share what people can't see, 
how they'll experience mm. you as a human. And that's why self-portraiture is so powerful, not just because you'll have a camera roll full of a a beautiful, amazing photos, which you will, but because you can connect with people through that portraiture. You know what I'm thinking about too, and I loved it, sort of like an impassioned rant you just went on. That was great. <laughs> um, you know, it reminds me of just that healing journey that I've been on for so long, which I think a lot of people are either trying to stave off because they're afraid there's bad news there if they dig a little deeper inside themselves, um, yeah. you know, or are, are launched on. And, you know, it's it's really an interesting circuitous journey to be on. But one of the things that has helped me immensely, it was when I first started doing videos because I, 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 I did set it up so that I could look good the first one before, mm -hmm. before I had that reactive experience I just described. But it wasn't just like, oh, I'm not hideous. It was also when I got into, like you just did that beautiful rant, when I got into the zone where I was really in flow with like channeling a message or sharing something that I really cared about with the audience. And then I watched the video back. I saw what people have seen in me when they've complimented mm -hmm. something about me and not sometimes I've gotten compliments on my looks which always shocks me it's so funny it's like <laughs> that's not my story um and I did I did also want to say I had a client once who's like she's one of those super pretty people and she got angry when I, I said I feel like you have something up around your prettiness she was like no other people have shit up around my face it's the yeah. least interesting thing about me. It is just mm -hmm. absolutely nothing to do with who I am. And she, yeah. I, I thought that was very interesting and that you spoke to that. Um, I love that because those of us who aren't hearing that are always looking at the outside of like, you know, my mother said to me once, <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I felt this my whole childhood, but she was like, you know, I used to think you were just interesting looking, but now I think you're actually pretty, right? It, it, so it's <laughs> oh like, god. oh my god! So you can just see like her own shit that came up in the way that she yeah. was raising me, like fearful, hopeful. What's Maya's face going to turn out like? You know? And I do think <laughs> on a soul level, I'm like, no, I don't want. I really do think like, I'm like, I don't want a super conventionally pretty face, but I also do feel like, in terms of my own body despite my chronic illnesses I'm like I can get like I just worked out I can get there are some things that I think we can appreciate without being overly mm -hmm. identified with our bodies um yeah didn't mean to say any of that what did I want to say um oh that I think that there can be something healing in taking these self-portraits and really seeing yourself and experiencing yourself from the outside because I say this to people all the time like you know I, I love my clients. Like I'm sort of half in love with them, all of them. Whenever mm -hmm. I'm talking, I'm like, God, I love this person. This is an amazing deep connection. Wow. Look at her gifts. And everybody's completely different. And so I'm always saying like, we need to get you experiencing yourself from the inside, the way that the world because experiences you from the outside. Cause they'll say like, well, what you just said to me, I heard at work the other day and my husband always says it, but they just don't feel it. And when I yeah. first started shooting videos, and also I will say some of it can be brutal. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if you've had this experience or if your clients have, but there's a story I like to remember. I was taking um, 
an acting class, like an auditioning class in Manhattan. I took them with a series of casting directors. So I'll watch movies today and be like, ah, I took a course with that casting director, like big time <laughs> casting directors. And this one woman, it was, I want to say six of us in the class. It was very small. She would, you'd have to do your audition in front of the camera alone with her in the room while the rest of the class waited in the hallway. And then you all regathered and she played your audition for the whole room, including you. <laughs> already brutal right it's mm -hmm. about to get worse and then oh, she no. refused to critique it she would say maya critique your own audition oh <laughs> <laughs> we were like vomiting bonding yeah. crying laughing hysterically like laughing hysterically i can still see there's two people from that class I'm still connected to. One of them actually just put some hearts down on one of my Facebook posts the other day. And I'm like, yeah, I remember you because we went through that together. <laughs> and, but it was actually one of, I don't even know, it was probably so much more than healing. It was just like, oh, I can see myself from a distance. I can critique like my myself. In fact, just recently I've done, this is the fourth podcast interview this week. And I've never done this many back to back. So then I'm listening back to them and I'm seeing these places where I'm like, why do I talk like that? So then I really got curious, always the answer and was like, oh, I see. I'm like, whatever, I'm not going to get into it now, but it was the same thing with critiquing my own auditions where I could see this thing that I always did and then I could change it. And I could, and then mm -hmm. it changed. It's not like there's something wrong with me, but it's like, oh, if I'm self-conscious in an audition, maybe I hide myself in this certain way. Oh, do I do that in other areas of my life? It doesn't, now I see yeah. what it looks like. I can work on shifting that or I can choose to keep it um, as a cute little twitch of mine or whatever. But you start yeah. to not be so bonded to your experience of yourself as a flawed person. And I see that in this same self-portrait process that you're talking about and that I've been putting myself through the past few months since starting mm -hmm. to follow you. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And it, it, it's, this is why this is such a beautiful inner and outer experience, right? Because you do get to see yourself in ways that you never thought possible. And you know what? I'm a, a huge fan of hiring photographers. I hire them from time to time. I am a photographer and I get hired to take people's portraits as well. And I think the beautiful part about self-portraiture too is that you get to practice. So just like watching back your audition tape, like with the self-portraiture, it is a chance to understand when somebody, when you're like, oh, I need some new photos for my business or my creative venture. I really want to hire a photographer this time. You can practice in your self-portraiture. Like I know I like the left side of my face better than the right side of my face. Yeah. And most of us have a preference. Yeah. Right. Most of us have a preference of how we stand. Um, do you tilt your pelvis back a little bit? Do you arch a little bit? Where do your arms go? And so what what this is is this is it's this beautiful exploration process to how you move about the world in a way that you can never actually see it because you're never really outside of yourself. And if you can understand how to accept the things that you don't like, because we all have things we don't like about ourselves as, as humans, in our personalities, in our physical appearances, we all have them. We all have hangups and that's okay. Right. And then you augment the things that you do like, not to fake it and not to not yeah. be who you are, but you know, 
you you get to lead with that and you get to be a whole complex person that has a wide range of emotions and feelings and desires and fears and self-portraiture is a beautiful way to understand how you show up to the world and how you move about the world when you're not even conscious of doing it yeah and i think that's a really powerful process in your self-expression and in your empowerment because it does inevitably start to leak out into other places in your business in your life in your relationships yeah and in i mean you're basically saying this but i just want to reiterate it and in your relationship to yourself um oh yeah i i just yeah and also that idea of we get to express ourselves our our body is our vehicle for the soul's expression mm -hmm. and so there's Absolutely. so many ways to do that and you you're in a band and you do that and I am actually going to be singing karaoke, I think, this summer. I've never done that. But, and, and my boyfriend, he's, he, um, he sings and people are like, no, that's not really him, right? He sounds so good. So I said to him the yeah. other day, I'm going to do it for the first time when you're not there. And he was like, no, I, I want to be there and I want to do this together. I'm like, oh, now I can see it's going to be the lipstick thing again. He's going to buy me a karaoke <laughs> machine or is it really for him? But at any rate, the point is, like you've been saying this whole conversation, it's scary when you start something new. And we don't have permission in our culture to be a beginner. And so the inner mm -hmm. critic is very internalized. And we're like, I'm going to stop myself before anybody can humiliate me. But what if we just completely, yep. like what you're saying is we just can completely flip that script and express ourselves fully. And it doesn't matter if, say, my mother was a little self-conscious and or really believed that certain people were beautiful and other people were not. And the beautiful people deserve to be photographed. Now, what's interesting mm. is when you look, when you really look at some people, again, like you were saying, like, who decided what looks like what? Because there are people that every, you got to know your fan base. Everybody oh, yeah. has fans. And there are people who are like, like Brad Pitt. He, I, I appreciate him as a human and I like him as an actor. He's not my mm -hmm. type of guy, but he's yeah, held up, but right. And so I like a guy with some character, which I think he's growing maybe actually right now. And again, I like him. But <laughs> I like, I like a little ruggedness and character on the face. I don't need somebody who's conventionally pretty as, as a guy or whatever. So, and, but also I want to be careful that I don't reject somebody for that reason either. So yeah. I just think for us to question all of our assumptions about ourselves and about the world and that I really, I mean, the theme of this podcast is express the hell out of yourself. Find your true mm -hmm. self and express the hell out of your true self. And what you're saying and what I know for sure outside of photography, but I guess it applies to everything, is that it's an exploration and it's a process and it's an experimentation. And you find yourself by expressing yourself and back and forth it goes. Absolutely. And I think it's also okay, like a reminder that these these types of things whether it's starting a business doing karaoke starting a band taking self portraiture like the reminder is that a you are probably going to be bad at it at first <laughs> b you are probably going to be very nervous at first yeah and c like if you can have fun with it if you can be curious if you can approach this as a like this thing will not kill me right? I will get through it. And it's very natural to be nervous. It's very natural to be self-critical, especially when you're starting that new thing. And when you start to step into these like bolder, 
levels of expression and these more authentic levels of expression it's really 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 hard to go back it's really yeah really hard uh, i'm never to going be back. that yeah. shelled version of yourself right and yes. it does open up opportunities so maybe the lipstick for you is a gateway to karaoke apparently and that's a gateway to have more fun right <laughs> and like it doesn't mean that you're going to be a singer but what it means is that this could be a really fun activity that you can engage in because you have decided that who you are on the inside is a vivid vivacious bold person and you are taking those sometimes uncomfortable steps to express that outwardly are you looking for an energetic inspiring knowledgeable wisdom and insight generating mesmerizing speaker for your club group team or mastermind those are not my words those are snippets of testimonials from people who've attended my talks if you're looking for a speaker to galvanize your people into action to break through life's general malaise and the ruts we all get into and even the fear and anxiety and depression that's running so rampant in the world today so that your audience actually has the lived transformational experience of connection a sense of belonging and laughs their ass off at the absurdities of being human book me to speak at your event my most popular talks are driving the dirt road less traveled live a no regrets life as your wild free self which is a talk designed to motivate listeners to stop waiting for their real life to begin and to feel excited to get out of bed in the morning today heal old emotional baggage reclaim your fabulous intuitive self and uncover your true motivations so you stop falling off the wagon all while embracing the glorious mystery of being alive so you can finally express the hell out of your true self on this crazy ride we call life or you could go for this is not a rehearsal a crash course in claiming the life you were meant to live where participants walk away knowing improvisation techniques for real life situations create fewer regrets and recover fast when you didn't handle it the way you wish you had quick tricks for discovering your life's purpose and finding your tribe waste less time on people places and things that are not right for you and that laughter really is the best medicine no more crying over your life situation but instead happily embracing the absurd and laughing your way right through this lifetime and into the next one. Or you can invite me in for a channeled event created exclusively for your people. Book me at mayawild.com or by emailing me directly at hello at mayawild.com where you can request my speaker sheet, media packet, or to reserve your next level self-realization event where the talk is deep but never heavy. That's mayawild.com or email me directly at hello at mayawild.com. And you know what came to mind here is like this is going to be a new thing that I talk about. How can you fail vividly? If like vivid is my thing, I want to fail vividly. If authentic is your thing, fail authentically. Like just mm -hmm. all of that is part of it. I, I, oh, I love everything you're saying. Okay. We're going to switch gears <laughs> though, because I have some other things that I, I want, I, I, I've seen you speak to consistently in your mm -hmm. marketing and I'm, I'm, I've, I've felt like we've had some similar experiences in the coaching world, for instance. Um, yeah. You've talked about, I see that you've spoken to the, the money conversation around coaching in a lot of posts recently. Um, and also, it seems like, I don't remember anything specific right now, but that you've hinted at, there's some, there's some issues, there's some problems in the coaching world. And earlier you were just saying, it was like, if you're ethical, then, <laughs> so will you just, let's just talk about the coaching world and money and anything that you feel to speak to around any and all of that. Oh, yeah, it's a big topic. And I have had some amazing experiences in this coaching world 
And I've had some not so amazing experiences in this coaching world. And you had described the mean girls, right? Yeah. And even if that was 10 years ago, I can verify that there are still mean okay. girls out there. And <sighs> and I think that's, an, an, you know, at the end of the day as well, every industry has its shit. And I want to just put that out there as like a blanket statement. Every industry has its difficult people, has people who are willing to step on heads to get to the next level. And what I what I struggle with in this coaching industry often is the focus on coaches who coach coaches to coach more coaches to coach coaches how to be coaches yeah. to coach coaches to make a million dollars or to make a hundred thousand dollars in 37.6 seconds without <laughs> doing anything without having any funnels or programs and I don't have a website and I've made all this money and I'm like okay but what impact have you made? That's what mm. I want to understand, right? What mm -hmm. impact have you made? Because I have, I have worked with coaches who have made shit tons of money and have very cult-like followings. And the impact isn't necessarily greater than coaches or people I've worked with who are not charging $100,000 for a year of coaching. Right. I've never spent that much money, but I do know people who are spending $100,000 for a year of coaching. And I don't think there's a hierarchy of coaches. I think everyone has their specialty. I think everyone has something unique. And I don't think that just because this coach is making $100,000 a year or $500,000 a year or $5 million a year, I don't actually think they're necessarily inherently a better coach than someone who's making $50,000 a year. Agreed. I don't think the person that has 100,000 followers on Instagram is a significantly better whatever they do than the person that has 1,000 loyal followers. I feel like what's happened in the corners of the coaching industry that I have been in, I can't obviously speak for all of it because I haven't been everywhere. I've seen this ultra, the pendulum swinging to this ultra feminine energetics it's all about mindset and if you manifest and if you believe oh my and god you tell i'm yourself screaming right now <laughs> la 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 yeah. right yeah then it will be and you can work four hours a week and make a million dollars and i'm like ah! yeah but for most people that's not how it works there are people who will have meteoric rises overnight there will be people who go from zero to 100k in six months it, it, it's a fact it happens it's true the average coach, it takes three years, five years, seven years sometimes to hit that first 100K. And once you get there, I think it's easier to maintain, but it takes a lot of people a long time to figure this out. And I think what it's, these ultra feminine spaces that are very much about energetics and manifesting and all of these things and working less, they were sort of created out of opposition to the bro marketing hustle. Yeah. And I get it. But I think what happened is a lot of the spaces that I had been in went to this ultra feminine, but we wound up in the same pissing contest, the yes. exact same pissing contest of I'm going to brag about how much money I have. And the people that were bragging about their big money wins were then getting more attention than they were getting more clients, right? The people who were telling the stories of how much money they made we're actually leaving out where they made that money or how much they were working or how long it took them to get there. And what I saw 
was we went from there are these ultra bro marketing hustly grinding ultra efficient systems and strategy types of spaces and there's this this opposite end of the spectrum of these hyper feminine flow state mindset manifestation but they all ended up doing the same exact thing and i just got so fed up with the focus and the popular girls being the girls that were making shit tons of money or getting themselves into massive amounts of debt to be in proximity with a famous quote unquote coach, right? Mm -hmm. If you can get in with the head mean girl, if you can get in with Regina George, then you're set. And I didn't want that, right? Like I didn't want, just like I know you kind of recounted your own version of this. I didn't want to be one of those mean girls. And I found myself sometimes going, oh, they're all in Paris and I want to go to Paris. And I was like, wait, I don't want to fucking hang out with these women. I mean, they're cool, like fine, whatever. But like, I don't want to go to Paris with them for four days. What am I doing? Why, why do I even want this? And I think I just really started to understand that for me, again, coaching is practical. Coaching is self-improvement or professional improvement. And the impact is everything. And there is no hierarchy of one coach. And then to caveat this, there are bad coaches. Yeah. There are people that do harm. There are people that do not deliver. There are people in this, this industry who charge lots of money and, and harm people. And that is not okay. And the vast majority of coaches are good at what they do. And I don't necessarily think that how much money you make or how many followers, followers you have is actually indicative of how powerful your coaching is. I think it's indicative of, you know, when you started to, um, when you got into this business, organic reach used to be a thing. It's not really a thing anymore. I know. Right. Yeah. And so my, I don't talk about money. And I think there are some coaches that make sense to talk about money. You're a wealth coach. You're a money mindset coach. Of course, you're going to talk about money. <laughs> right. I like that makes sense. Right. But like, I'm not here to talk about how much money I earn. I think it's irrelevant. And I'm not here to rip people off so I can work four hours a week and fly to Bali on a private jet. Right. Like I am here to create something that has impact, whether that's music whether that's coaching, right? Whether that's photography, like whatever that connection is, whatever that middle ground is for us to meet and experience, whether it's a nine month mentorship program or a 90 minute intensive, like we are here on this part of this journey together. And I think I, I, I get really tired of the industry's pissing contest of do it this way and I've even I've even witnessed coaches, people that I would call friends have have said disparaging things online going, you don't need a fancy website, you don't need branded graphics, you don't need good photos, just show up and tell your story. And it's like, whoa, 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 because you're actually now shitting all over what I do. Right. And you don't have to shit all over what I do in order to sell your product. Because what you do is a business mastermind or, you know, whatever, right? Insert alternative type of <laughs> coaching program here. But your program isn't also less relevant than my program. They're simply different. And I think what I what is so valuable to me 
is understanding that there are a, li- a lot of good coaches out there and it doesn't matter whether they've, they've got a hundred thousand followers on Instagram or whether they're making a million dollars in their business every year. What matters, especially if you are a client, if you are a person out there looking for coaching is the connection that you feel with that person. You know, do you, do they get you? Do they hold space for you? If they have some credentials, sometimes that helps. Not that I think everyone has to go through a coach training program, but you know, vet that person. Are they actually who they say they are? Is it flash over substance? I love that. Yeah. But the reminder is, you know, is like when you are searching for a coach, the how you feel in that person's space and how they hold you and how they can support you to get where you want to go, that's the key. The follower count, the amount of money they're talking about, how many hours they work or don't work, it doesn't matter, right? What matters is how you feel in their space. Do you feel inspired by them? And do you feel supported by them to get where you want to go? That to me is the be all end all. You know, and I think what you're saying too, what I'm thinking of is we're always looking for these outside metrics of success, right? Like how popular Mm -hmm. am I basically is the question that it seems to always boil down to. And there must be something in our atavistic, like reptile brain or whatever, our communal brain for survival (laughs) about FOMO, because I have been the same as you where I'm like, but I don't want to live in Los Angeles. Um, You can tell you're, you're in a different spot. I'm like, Paris, (laughs) that's, that's not, that's not, that's, those are the coaches I'm running into, but it's the same underlying message. You're missing out um, Mm -hmm. and there's an in place to be. But what if we could all really find ourselves, you know, live as ourselves and really like our lives? I mean, I'm living in this house out in the country. Not everybody wants to live in a house out in the country. Um, Not everybody, you, you know, and I So there's not, and I think that's the other thing, people are sort of buying wholesale into the vision board, like what you should put on your vision board. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) No, it's your vision board. So I think that um, also, again, like what exactly what you're saying about your advice for people on how to choose someone, if you're looking to get help, how to choose who you work with, whether it's a therapist or a coach, it's like, how do you feel Mm. with that person? Do they get you? And can they help you get the results that you're after is different than do their photographs on their website create an experience (laughs) of FOMO inside of you where it connects to, it triggers your sense of lack or low self-esteem that you feel like they could fix. Like I am not a lifestyle coach. I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know that there are people who do, who are like lifestyle influencers, but I want to help people get their life, their right life. Not yeah. to try to tell them, well, you need to get chickens and have this experience that I have. That's absurd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and that's exactly what I was going to say is that like, I am not the hero of this story. Yeah. You as the client are the hero of this story. And I am your guide. I am your Yoda. I am your Dumbledore, right? You're Harry Potter. You're Luke Skywalker. This story is about you. And if I can guide you, then that's it, right? And you have to be, be, be safe and seen and supported. And I do think that there is the practical, and I can't make any guarantees. I can't no. say, if you work with me, you're going to make this money or you're going to have this thing. But what I can guarantee you is if we are well-connected and you are clear about what you want out of your life, out of your business, out of your creative venture, out of your self-portraits or your branding or whatever, right? I can help you get farther. 
I can help you go faster. I can help you get clearer and I can help you execute, right? And it, I don't know where we're going to end up. And that's part of the exciting thing about coaching is I, I can't ever guarantee that if you work with me, you will go from 0K to 10K in six months. Like I, I, I <laughs> yeah. cannot guarantee that. It's just not an option. And I've had some clients who have had great financial success in short periods of time. And I've had other people who have been very much like, I'm a different person yeah. like, on the inside. And my business hasn't caught up yet, but holy shit, I'm a different person. And I feel peace. And I feel excited and I feel yeah. in alignment yes. and like it will all catch up eventually. And so I think I love being a coach and I dislike some of the parts of this industry, which are exceptionally superficial. But outside of that, I think that's actually a driving force for me at a time. There was a time where it brought me down. There was a time where it made me want to hide. There was a time where I felt like I didn't fit in. I'm heavily tattooed. I've got a mullet, like <laughs> I'm in a band. You know, I am not your average coach and not because like I'm some special flower, but like I just do, I've got, I've got a sort of a strange life and I, I felt like I didn't fit in and it made me want to hide. And then I realized that like, I don't really care what those other people are doing. I don't care what the mean girls are doing. I don't care how other people run their business. I care about my clients. I care about what I do and how I help people. And I care about building a life that supports all of my creative ventures that can then support other humans as well. Yeah. And I think what I really want to say is that no matter what's going on outside, if you can resource more of that for yourself and go, I am going to find my voice. I'm going to dethrone that inner critic and find my voice, right? I am going to figure out how to show up fully expressed. I mean, it doesn't, I don't really think about those mean girls so much anymore because I know who I am and I know what impact my programs and my, my coaching has on my clients. I, I love all that. And what I'm thinking too, as you're talking though, is you're also living a full bodied life. You have the tattoos, mm. the band, you are expressing yourself. You're, you're out there, you're living fully. And, um, and again, getting back to that idea that different people serve different purposes. And so, yeah. um, to be able to figure out what we need. But also I think, I think I do want to issue a word of caution to people like, cause I've fallen for this the, the, the glitzy look. Um, and I mm. didn't, I didn't, I didn't hire any of those mean girl coaches myself. Um, I more felt like they were my competition or something, you know, or I was comparing myself against mm -hmm. them as I was building my coaching practice. But I did also find that in the coaches that I did hire, sometimes there were people who couldn't help me. I hadn't vetted them fully enough because I was oh, bought yeah. into I'm broken. They make a lot of money. <laughs> Fix that. And the journey is different for every single one of us. So just like you said, other things might shift first. Um, but again, it's, you know, and I guess this is the commercialist side of capitalism, because I'm not against capitalism, but that superficial commercial side, I think it is damaging. And I think to really look at someone like you, who's actually out there living life as well, not just running a business, that's, that's what in, I'm interested in. So yeah. I'm going to say, I like that. And um, <laughs> let me, let's say, I do, I'm like, I don't know. Do I want to say that's the way to do it? I kind of do want to say that. <laughs> that's how I feel. Well, like I think, 
<laughs> I think it is the way to do it. But in, you know, to your point, it's whatever works for you. Yeah. Right. Like my life looks really different than a lot of my clients' lives, but I'm not here to impart that on anyone. And I think that's not the job of a coach. I'm not a consultant. I'm not here to say, let's rebuild your life from the ground up and do this and this and this. It's like part of my job as a coach is to help you figure out how to be more of yourself right? How to bring more of that into your life, into your business, into your creative ventures. And whether it's, you know, living in the middle of a city, being in a band, having children, um, traveling all the time, like whatever your life looks like, traditional, non-traditional, some sort of mixture, it's, it's about understanding that, you know, I am, I am fully embodied and I can't say that I always was. Right. Yeah. And that's because of all of the work. That's because I've worked on the inner critic, because I've worked on the self-expression, because I've done the deeper healing work, because I've had to figure it out because I knew that I was wasting my life. Yes. God, I knew yeah. it. I knew I was wasting my life. Yeah. And at some point, the desire to get over my inhibitions, to get over my fears, you know, outweighed the worry about what if I failed or worse, what if I was mediocre? Like that to oh, me is a bigger God, fear than, me than too. failure. I that with you. Yes. Ooh, I think a lot of creatives feel that way. I I'd think rather be so. a failure than mediocre. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I had to really say, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want it to feel like? I want to spend Friday afternoon writing songs. Right. So I'm not going to do client calls on a Friday afternoon because I want to write songs. And yeah. understanding that like, this takes time, it takes time. And for me, part of the reason I'm a coach is because I saw the benefit of it when I got coached. Oh, and I was yeah. like, oh, I was like, after, I don't know, a month or six weeks of working with a coach, actually the same coach I'm working with now, we've had an on again, off again relationship for many years because she's <laughs> amazing. Um, and, you know, I was like, fuck. I want to do what you do. And it took me like six weeks to admit that to her because I was like, is the grass just greener? And I went, no, no, no. Like there is something in this. And that has led me to becoming the person that I've wanted to be. And it's, it's so possible. It's so possible. And I believe that if you can find the right kind of support, coaching, therapy, groups, one-to-one, -one, reading, right? And you can get into some action, which is key. Yeah it will happen for you. And if you can get clear on who you're becoming, all of the other stuff, it comes a lot easier. I, I love that. I think that's a great way to bring this in for a landing. And I just want to second that. I wake up every day just like immensely grateful that I mm. started doing this work and that other people are doing this work and that we can bounce ideas off each other. Just again, even me just seeing you on social media impacted <laughs> me. And now we're having this conversation. And I mean, that's first of all, what getting into action looks like, but yeah. I'm grateful for it because I've had enough results now. Again, like you were saying, it translates to everything. I now know, okay, just get started because there's going to be results. And maybe I'll find out this isn't the path for me with whatever the new project is, but then I'll know and it won't be pure speculation. And so yeah. I'm with you. This works, <laughs> you, you know, and I'm forever grateful for it. So, okay, two final things. One, I originally started Dirt Road Less Traveled as a radio show. And so my guests were guest DJs. I can't play songs on a podcast, but I can ask you for maybe a couple of song or band recommendations or tell us where maybe we can find your band. Share a little bit oh, yeah. music-wise with us. 
Yes. Okay. So I could, we could do a whole podcast just on music. (laughs) My my band is called Lioness, L-Y-O-N-E-S-S, because Lioness with an I was already taken. So (laughs) it's Lioness. You can find us basically anywhere and everywhere, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, wherever you can stream music, you can find us YouTube as well. So you can find us um, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, We have just released our first EP a couple of weeks ago called Fool's Gold. One of the songs Mm. called Know Thyself is actually about the coaching industry, funnily enough, about that conversation around when you get a little bit of power, you get a little bit of fame, you don't always have consequences. So Lioness, I, it is a rock and roll band. So if you like rock and roll in any capacity, you will probably enjoy Lioness. So you can find us pretty much anywhere you can find music. Cool. Very, very cool. And where yeah. can people find you? And I'll put it all in the show notes, but just give people sure. a place to go right now. Yeah. So my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. Okay. And you can find me um, at gg stays gold so gg stays gold is my instagram handle you can find me there you will see all of the self-portraits and the tattoos and some of the cats that we were talking about today (laughs) and you'll see little bits of of lioness there too so basically if you go to gg stays gold on instagram slide into my dms i love a good voice note as well that's how we basically got connected was just a dm so connection for me is super important so if you feel called slide into my dms and just say hi Awesome. Awesome. Wow. This has been an incredible conversation, even better than I had hoped for, you know, and it's kind of, it is talk about a risk. Like we did some DMs (laughs) and I've watched some videos and this and that, and you know, you did a couple of voice notes to me, but we don't know what, you know, and, um, Oh, so this has been a great way for me to start my day. And uh, maybe you go in, I know it's Friday afternoon where you are. So maybe it's a little songwriting for you. Um, it is. That's what's next that's on the so agenda, cool. in fact. Oh, that's great. I'm going to shower. <laughs> I'm going to get practical before I get into the rest of my day. Gigi, yeah, thank you so yourself. much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, I want to say thank you for this incredible conversation. Um, and just like for being you and showing up so fully, like, Fuck yeah. I feel like you just show up like (laughs) I'm doing it. And one of the things that I love to talk about that I think you exemplify, this is this, oh man, okay. This is what (laughs) I started after my midlife crisis. You popped up not because of the self-portraits. That wasn't the first. I said to Mike, she's professional and teaching and showing up full bore as like her unique self that's what you were the initial exemplar to me of. I'm glad I remembered that. So thank you so much. Thank um, you. And I love that. Thank you so much for reflecting that back to me. Cause you know what, being very transparent, this has been a really long journey for me. And what I want anyone yourself included to take away from that is that it's possible, right? (sighs) It is possible and it takes time and it takes work and it takes action and it takes fear and it takes (laughs) butterflies (laughs) <laughs> it's a lot of determination, yeah. but my God, it, it's possible. So if you are holding yourself back in any way, in any way, shape or form, bite-sized baby steps. And I promise you, it will become so much easier. And all of a sudden you'll wake up one morning and go, oh my God, this is my life. And this is me. And this is really fucking cool. And I'm yeah. so glad I did that work. And it is 100% possible. And if you had asked me that five years ago, I would have not known I would have been here. So yeah. I promise if I can do it, anyone can do it. 
Oh my God, that's beautiful. Gigi, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. What's the dirt road less traveled? It's owning the unexpected adventure of your life. Yeah, you're covered in mud, no map in hand, but you feel so alive, like your life has real meaning and you're absolutely on the right path. You've been listening to Dirt Road Less Traveled. If you like what you hear, share an episode with a friend or share many episodes with several of your friends and make sure that you hit subscribe. And if you want to find out how to connect what we talk about on the show to your own life, come check out what's happening at mayawild.com. The conversation over there is all about how to live like you're on a mission. And what's that mission? Doing life as the real you living on purpose, healing all the old, being able to envision the new, and of course, expressing the hell out of yourself. That's mayawild.com. I'm Maya Wild. This is Dirt Road Less Traveled. Until next time, stay true to yourself out there.